get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis, no BK today. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN, and we are live on our YouTube page where you can head there now at 101 ESPN STL. You can chat with us. You can put the poll, vote on your grade of Doug Armstrong's offseason. And now we welcome in Katie Wu, our Cardinals insider for The Athletic. We just pushed our therapy session over to one more day, two more days, I guess now. I don't even know what day it is right now. Katie, I'm sure you're feeling the exact same way. How are you? Yeah, I have no idea what's going on, what day it is, what month it is. I just wake up, and I feel like many Cardinals fans can can uh, relate to this. I wake up expecting to see a different product on the field, and the product only gets worse. What an absolutely dreadful start to this series here in Miami for the St. Louis Cardinals, and it only got worse with the news that both Adam Wainwright and Andrew Kisner hitting the IL yesterday. Yeah, amen to that, Katie. Let's start with Waino. I mean, it's been tough to watch, not just from his performance when he's on the mound the last couple of starts, but just his reaction when he walks off the mound. It does look like a defeated individual in Adam Wainwright. Sounds that way as well. What are your anticipations in terms of Wayno post IL stint? Sure. So let's let's clarify a couple things about Wainwright's IL. You know, I wasn't in Miami, so I wasn't there for the press conference or the post game scrum with both Ollie and Adam. But talked to Ollie Marmel this morning. So Adam Wainwright has flying home back to St. Louis, um, and the the thing that the team and Adam are trying to figure out is. This is something that Adam has pitched through before. You know, every pitcher is going to pitch through some kind of shoulder tightness or soreness. That's something that every athlete does. You know, there are aches and pains throughout the whole season. So Adam's pitched through this kind of pain before. He's just been able to have, obviously, much better results. And, you know, Adam is the ultimate team player. He is not going to continue to go out there and pull together the the starts that he has over the last three outings, but ultimately don't give his team a chance to win at all. So he thought best, and so did the team, to go back, get an evaluation, figure out why he can't uh, pitch through this kind of soreness this time, why he has no finish on his pitches, and hopefully once they're able to kind of reset, use the all-star break, he'll be able to come back and have the kind of second half that I think every Cardinal wants him to have or every Cardinal fan wants him to have and every Cardinal fan just thinks he deserves. I mean, I think what has been so hard to watch about Adam's last three starts is exactly that. It's his demeanor. Um, Alex, I think you pointed out pretty well. It's hard to see such an organization legacy, a clubhouse leader, someone who does everything for the city of St. Louis and has just been a great Cardinal go out like that. And um, I think this break here for Adam to really evaluate, maybe rest his shoulder, find some finish to his pitches. will hopefully ideally make the Cardinals second half a little better to watch. And Katie, with Wayno going on the I.L., a series of roster moves today and two pitchers were recalled. Dakota Hudson, Zach Thompson up. What do you expect their roles to be, and especially with Zach Thompson? Because he started the year with the Major League Club as a reliever, then sent down to build up as a starter, and now he's back up. What do you expect both those players' roles to be with the St. Louis Cardinals? 
Yeah, great question. And, you know, we'll, we'll start with Zach Thompson because I think he's been, he's been a little jerked around this season in terms of coming up in spring training and saying he was going to be a high-leverage reliever. So he really limited his arsenal to just the fastball, uh, curveball, two-pitch arsenal, right? Then things go sideways in April for everybody. They decide, the organization decides, okay, let's have Zach go to AAA and become a starter again. So he expands his arsenal to a four-pitch arsenal, reintroduces the changeup, reintroduces the cutter, you saw the results in AAA. They were not good. He has over a 9 ERA and 10 starts. Now he's back, and both Thompson and Hudson are kind of in the patchwork role. Uh, the Cardinals can use them both as a starter, as a reliever, depending on what they need. Matthew Libertor will start for the Cardinals today. But going forward, the Cardinals are just kind of patching some guys together and hoping they can get to the all-star break and reset. So there aren't designated roles for Dakota Hudson or Zach Thompson. I mean, they're, they're stuff in AAA wasn't lights out. I think with Thompson, it's a little more understandable given how much he's had to add and subtract to his arsenal over the span of nine months. That's really hard to make those adjustments in real time. But the Cardinals don't have designated roles for Dakota or for Zach Thompson. It's more or less what do they need from these guys just to get them through the all-star break. Talking with Katie Wu, our Cardinals insider for The Athletic. You could follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, I'm going to read this comment from Michael K. just in case listeners have not heard it or seen it, talking about Wilson Contreras, and then I'd like your thoughts on it. This is from Michael K., the play-by-play broadcaster for the Yankees. Quote, I found out something. I was talking to a lot of the Cardinal people. The reason that they took Contreras out from behind the plate, he was calling pitches that the pitcher on the mound didn't have. He'd be calling for a cutter for a pitcher that didn't throw a cutter. The pitcher's we're going crazy. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's obviously a, a pretty jam-packed quote from Michael Kay, and obviously his resume speaks for himself in terms of what he's done in this industry. I will say that one caught me a little off guard because it's not something I heard. It's something Ollie Marmel wouldn't even touch when it was brought up with us pregame uh, in the series uh, before the road trip. No comment. Um, and I think that was the organization's way of saying, you know, there was definitely some sort of lack of preparation or lack of communication from Wilson's side, but I do not think it was that egregious. Usually, Ollie is very open to discussing these things. For all the gripes that fans have, rightfully or unrightfully so, about him as a manager, his communication, you guys have seen it. He's always willing to expand on topics. He shut that one down pretty quickly. Wilson shut that one down pretty quickly. And, of course, none of the Cardinals pitchers are going to go out and, and say, you know, really feed into that just because, it is such a, it's such an indictment on Wilson if that is indeed true. So I would not read too much into that. I definitely think there was a lack of communication between the pitchers and the catchers, and that's what led to uh, Wilson's little timeout from behind the plate. <laughs> I think that communication is better, um, but I do think it's still a work in progress. Keep in mind, you guys, I feel like we get on Wilson a lot, but these Cardinals pitchers, those starters and relievers, they could be on Yachty mode up until this season, where whatever Yachty's calling, you're just going with. You don't have to think much, because who's shaking off Yachty or Molina, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's also been a big adjustment for the pitching staff to realize, okay, and I'm not by all means not calling them lazy, but it's been a big adjustment on their part to go in and say, okay, we really have to communicate as we adjust to a new catcher, and this new catcher adjusts to us, and I think both parties really underestimated how much time that would take. Katie, as a quick follow-up to that, do you think that this report on top of everything that happened already does it cause any waves i guess for others looking into the cardinals organization because we know kind of internally they've already dealt with it but i guess on the outside if you're pending free agents or if you're trying to make a move for certain guys does that cause problems 
Oh, absolutely. I don't think anyone right now is looking at the Cardinals as a prime destination to land. And that's crazy because up until a couple of months ago, most free agents would entertain the, the offer of playing in St. Louis. But when you're 35 and 50 and your first half has been an absolute disaster, most guys that want to play on a contending team are going to look elsewhere. That's why I think this trade deadline is so important. The Cardinals have been a mess in, in virtually all facets of this first half, whether it's on-field performance, off-field messaging, clubhouse communication, whatever it is, we have an example of things going, you know, not so great. But this trade deadline, I think the front office, especially John Mozeliak, has an ability to kind of patch that up. I'm not suggesting at all that they're going to make a run and compete in the second half. But they can bolster their roster to put themselves in a prime position in 2024. Look, the Cardinals have had 15 winning streaks or winning seasons under John Mozeliak's tenure. You're going to get a dud every once in a while, and they got one, trust me. But there is a way for the team to be uh, competitive in 2024 and kind of get that allure back from outside free agents or maybe teams that were looking to come to, or players that are looking to come to St. Louis. There is a way to get that back, but it certainly does not look like the prime destination right now. Katie, you mentioned 2024. We're going to talk about this later on in our show. Jordan Montgomery, free agent at the end of the year. Do you think there's a chance that the Cardinals could re-sign Jordan Montgomery, whether that is now or after trading him and potentially bringing him back? Because he's been their best pitcher this season. Yeah, you know, I used to be very much on the Jordan Montgomery is going to walk train just because of his agent. Scott Boris, guys, especially when you are a first-time free agent like Jordan Montgomery will be, uh, Boris Corp really pushes for their first-time free agents to go out and try to find as much money as possible and land the deal they deserve. And Jordan Montgomery certainly has earned that opportunity. Um, However, with the Cardinals really searching for pitching, even worse than maybe any of us expected, and but the bar was low, um, I could see them having to adjust their philosophy and spend some money, and Jordan Montgomery seems like the ideal Cardinal to stay. Uh, Miles Michaelis, as we know, and Steven Matz, but you know, he's not even in the rotation at the moment, are the only pitchers locked in under after the season. The Cardinals need durability. They need reliance. And they can't go out there and rely on all of their young pitchers if they want to go make a run in 2024. So because things have so drastically changed in this first half, I could see the Cardinals entertaining an extension for Jordan Montgomery or re-signing him. I also think they're in a prime position if they want to trade Montgomery or trade Jack Flaherty because the starting pitching market is so dry. And this is really the one avenue where the Cardinals would have most of the power uh, in a trade. You know, it's no secret that St. Louis is pretty desperate for any kind of talent but twin and other teams are looking to shore up starting pitching. So it could go one of two ways. But if I'm St. Louis, I am entertaining an extension for Jordan Montgomery more than I was in April or May. Katie, final one for you then. As we head into this All-Star break, have your expectations changed at all from what the Cardinals will do from then until the trade deadline? You know, this trade deadline, I feel like it's shaping up to be so uncharacteristic because we've had such an uncharacteristic first half. But I also feel like because the Cardinals are still, if you look at their roster and the players that they have, minus the pitching side in terms of just position depth, they have a pretty good roster and a pretty good offense. So I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, it's no secret they need to make some upgrades. Um, And maybe that's selling now to get better later. But I think the worst thing this front office can do is treat this trade deadline like they did in 2021 and 2022 and look for incremental upgrades. I think that's the worst thing they could do. The Cardinals are in a really unique position that they ideally are usually never in. I mean, they've been in last place since May 29th and the NL Central. You know, this is not like some big, crazy competitive division. 
they have a chance to just sell and punt towards the next season. That will require some heavy trades. You have to trade value to get value. But I think the worst thing, again, that they can do is go into the trade the trading deadline, find some in- incremental upgrades, say we'll address it in the offseason, and then not. St. Louis is in a really unique spot. Again, not a spot they envisioned in. It could be time to stray from their usual consistent ways that really didn't lead them to any kind of success this year. I'm not at all suggesting blowing it up or a rebuild or a teardown phase. And John Mozeliak has said that as well multiple times. But I do think that they're in a place where they can make some difficult trades at the moment but set themselves up for success in 2024. And I think the more we see the Cardinals limp into this all-star break, the more the Cardinals front office will entertain that idea. Katie, with that being said, when you look at the Cincinnati Reds and the way they've taken off with their young core that's just now coming up through the system, do you, do you think that almost forces the Cardinals to show more, whether it be urgency at the deadline or in this offseason, because it's no longer that the division feels so open to where it's just they are the favorites. Now going into next year, it's probably going to be the Reds as the favorites with their young core. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's we beat up on the NL Central a lot because for a very long time, this division has not been competitive and the Cardinals and Brewers could pretty much duke it out every year. But two things have changed. One, the balanced schedule. The Cardinals, the teams in the division aren't beating up on each other anymore and you're seeing the Reds and the Pirates significantly less. Now that actually might be a good thing for the Cardinals considering the Reds have completely taken off. Which is, to my next point, this division is getting better. While the Cardinals are staying the same, that Reds young core is here way ahead of schedule. The Pirates, they're right on their heels. And the Brewers and the Cubs, they're always going to be a way where they can, you know, they might have their rebuild periods, but they're never going to take very long. So this is no longer going to be the NL Central where you kind of can just beat up on each other and joke around that this is a weak division. This is going to be a competitive division, and if the Cardinals don't make the necessary changes, they're going to be right where they are right now, which is last place, you know, one of the biggest disappointments in the National League in the first half entirely, and struggling to compete in a division they were expected to win. She is Katie Wu. You can find her great work covering the Cardinals on The Athletic. You could also follow her on Twitter, at Katie J. Wu. Katie, appreciate the time. Enjoy this final stretch, and we'll talk to you next week going into the All-Star break. You got it, guys. Talk soon.